Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. Angels communicate often through synchronicities. We're here, we're paying attention. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. To open ourselves fully to that intelligence, that's when the magic happens. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. Maria will go to a place where action is. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. What's this spark of desire that I have inside? What is the desire with a capital D? That is an instinct that comes from the divine. Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there. Welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron reed and oh my God, you're in for a treat. Joining us today is writer, magician, master business coach, and metaphysical educator. Her name is Elizabeth Purvis, but I'm telling you, she is incredible. She is a former computer scientist, and she's also the founder and CEO of the Seven Figure Goddess Program. And she's got a book out, which we'll talk about later. Um, but she is a premier offers and messaging strategist for high-performing transformational leaders who are genuinely ready to scale to seven figures and beyond in their business. Now, Elizabeth has helped thousands of coaches, healers, mentors, and spiritual teachers create high multi six and seven figure businesses. And she does not do it in a particularly normal way, which we're going to actually chat about. But I have to say something else. So a number of years ago, and I can't even remember what it was. Maybe it was one of my Oracle decks, but I was interviewed by Elizabeth for her radio show way back when. And I'm going to tell you this, that of all the interviews I have ever done, and I've done some of the best, some of the most illustrious shows, I'm telling you, she was the best interviewer I have ever sat with. I didn't want to go home. So I now get a chance to highlight her and talk about her astoundingness. And I'm sure you guys are going to really love her. So welcome to the Wooniverse, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. And oh my goodness, I'm so blushing from that introduction. (laughs) But it was true. Yeah, we had such a great time. (laughs) Didn't we? It was so good. I know. And then I I made her be my friend. So there you go. (laughs) Like, we're being friends now. That's the end of that. (laughs) Such a blessing. No, it was great. And I've had a real privilege to watch what she's done. And I'm one of her, the people that follow her. So I've had a real ringside seat in seeing all the offerings that she's done and really how many people's lives she's changed. Uh, and and as a result, you know, and this is so perfect, corner of Fringe in Maine, she was literally born there. So anyhow... <laughs> It's right. kind of true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of true. I'm pretty woo. So, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely woo. That's why you're here. It's the Wooniverse, girl. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Yeah. You were actually born into a family of scientists. Yes. That's how I right? think of it. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your childhood like? When did you first become interested in magic? Oh my gosh. It's one of those things that I know that many of your listeners can relate to this, where like the goddess was talking to me before I knew who she was. Anything. But uh, yeah, my my dad is a professor of chemical engineering and um, alchemy and like a rock star professor of engineering. I sort of joke that like 
if you're ever with him at one of his like industry events and he's retired now, I, I would go and it would be like, I was with Van Halen. They'd all be like, ah, are you Professor Janko's daughter? I'm like, yes, I know how awesome he is. Um, but it was hardcore. Like the guy teaches thermodynamics. <laughs> and, wow. And my mom, um, you know, was a, was a nurse first and then became, you know, went to nursing school and did all that and then became... Uh, an MBA and a home health administrator. And when I was growing up in the 80s, so a lot of things were not the same as they are now. Like there were pages of Instagram. (laughs) Right. No, none. There was none of that. But when I was growing up, like the big sort of, you know, headbutting with my dad was like, Creative life versus science and security. Creative life versus science and security. I actually liked both and I was really good at both, but I had this real creative pull and I had this whole big, like, I've got to, and I, and I grew up in Maine, which is another important part of the story because it was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was the kind Maine. of thing where like, yeah. you get kind of pigeonholed into a certain way. This was my experience, right? To be fair. Yeah. Um, and then I felt like I couldn't kind of break out of that. Yep. But I always knew, like I was, I, I started, um, you know, studying metaphysical topics and hiding it, right? I would go to the book right. and I would get the books and I would hide them underneath. <laughs> I was in the <laughs> closet for a really long time. I would hide them underneath the, you know, the couch or whatever or under my bed and stuff. I started doing that at a very, very young age. And I start, like, I remember, and you'll appreciate this, my intuition and the psychic stuff and the messages would just come like all the time. And no one really understood it, but me. That's how I felt, oh. right? And again, in the 80s, yeah. I was also a competitive figure skater at the time. I was too for a little bit. No. I was too. <laughs> I had all these little medals. Yeah. I I mean, I love to perform, but it, it was also a very intense environment. And, and I would get you know, it was the kind of thing where I would hear in my head uh-huh. what someone was going to say before they started talking. The phone would ring and I would knew it would ring before I before it would ring, like those kinds of things. And, um, and I remember at that time kind of trying to sort of test the waters to see if anyone would kind of get it. And I remember telling one of my sister figure skaters <laughs> that I thought I was psychic and she was like, you're crazy. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. So there was all of this, which is a very common story for a lot of us. And so my goal <laughs> was to get out of Maine as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, you know, while at the same time, like now I can see it in a different way. Like now I really honor it from the part of the lineage that it is with, with me, you know. Um, but I went to college and I was still sort of like, I guess, normal. I was in the sort of normal box for a while. But it was when I went to New York City that that things got, that I was really able to kind of like, all right, this is who I really am and this is how it's going to be. You know, I ended up in graduate school for computer science, but I also ended up, you know, and I was playing traditional fiddle on in the subways. I was doing all this stuff and I was, yeah. I didn't know that. I love the yeah. fiddle. Oh my God. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Keep going. And the, and you were, you were busking and you were at school and... Before I went to grad school, I, my first job was actually at the district attorney's office in Manhattan, and which is a trip of a place to be at. And I, you know, so my dad by that point was like, well, you'll go to law school. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to law school. Yeah. <laughs> Except I took the LSAT and I was in like the 22nd percentile, which was a huge hit to my ego. And I'm like, hey, I don't want to do this. And, um, but there was a, there was a guy there at the time. Cause you know, if you're, if you're in the district attorney's office in Manhattan, like the path is law school. And there was a guy there who, um, was a devout Catholic. He was an, uh, an intern like me and he was 
an amazing human. And I used to see him go to mass every day. And he was also curious and he loved questioning everything and he loved the world. And it was watching him actually that sparked my, you know what? I'm not Catholic, but there's something here for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ask what it is. And I'm going to say, show me what it is. It's one of my favorite techniques to this day. But it was yeah, really me too. Like, show me. Yeah, show me. Make Don't make it hard. Don't make it hard. <laughs> and so um, that was around 1996. And that's when um, witches were everywhere in my consciousness right. after that. And I got myself on um, on a path of learning Wicca, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is sort of my lineage of uh, Western esotericism. Yeah, and so I was in grad school, and I was uh, you know an engineer after that for a decade. While at the same time, learning magic and you know busking in the subways. Let, let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah, because you you kind of jump from wow, this is a really interesting thing. This person that's a Catholic, because Catholic Catholicism is quite mystical. It sure is, right? And then you ended up in Wicca. So what was the segue between? The segue? That? Well, you know, it was his like. It, honestly, it was his connection with the divine and with God. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. it like mm-hmm. it was really, really deep, and he would talk about it all the time in this normal way, like just in this, like, this is just who I am. And this is what I did over the weekend. And it, and it was never attempting to push it on me or proselytize. Yeah. It was just like, this is just an everyday part of my life. And this is how it is. And I was like, I want that. Not in Catholicism. I mean, my dad was Catholic. And so I had, I have been receiving the messages for years and I want to know what this is. So how did you land in Wicca yeah. specifically? Did you meet a priestess? Did you? It's really interesting, actually, because there were a couple of different stages of the journey, right? So by this time, I'm about 24, and I was like, okay, show me what it is, was the first thing I said. So Michael's got his thing, yeah, and I know there's something here for me. I've been receiving, and I've been, you know, I've been studying astrology and tarot, and by that time... I was working with the tarot school, Walden Ruthann yeah. Amberstone in New York and learning tarot. And their, you know, their approach to tarot is very, very, you know, intertwined with Western esotericism. So that was my, fa- my tarot was my first magical tool. Yeah. And, um, and so that was kind of the first thing when I'm like, I know, I know that this is just like the, and this is the gateway into something much bigger. And I said, show me. And that's when I started to see witches all over the place. And I started, you know, it just appears in your consciousness. Yeah. And so the craft was out that year. And this was like, I loved that movie. I did too. Didn't you just, I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) It was awesome. You know, and I started nosing around and I ended up going to, and there was just, it was, I just knew like whatever this witch thing was. And of course that was super scary. So again, like in 1990s and my dad is Catholic and like, I knew that if I was out with that to them, even kind of even, they would just freak out. And I didn't want to make them freak out. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't my goal. And uh, and so I ended up going to the oldest witchcraft shop in New York City, which is called Enchantments. And I remember standing back, so I'm 24 years old and I'm like, you know. It's still there. Oh yeah, it's still there. Yeah, yeah. it's and still it's there. it's a real institution. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a nerd for like, New York City pagan history. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, someone was was talking to one of the women, um, you know, womaning the store and said, I'm a beginner. What's the best beginner book? And she said that one, which is like, there's so many different books on yeah. Wicca. But that was the one she pointed out. And there were two copies on the shelf. And the gal took one and I took the other. And I went home and it was Power of the Witch by Lori Cabot. 
Uh-huh. And I read it and I was like, holy crap, this is what I am. Uh-huh. So it was instant convert. It, w- it was just a homecoming, which is often how these things are described. It was like yep. a homecoming. I didn't know this. Now I know. And there's some things in that book I don't agree with. There's, uh, I'll say it. There's some Christian bashing, which I'm not, I don't approve of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Me neither. You know, but I understand <laughs> like, what you're saying. There's no need for bashing of anyone. There's no need for, and again, my lensing, right. But that's how I interpret it. Yeah. Same. But I was able to look past that and go, holy crap. And that's it. I was done. And from there, it was about finding my way onto the right path. So there was lots of twists and turns in that. But I ended up, eventually, a couple years later, uh, ended up with an extraordinary tradition called Proteus and did eight years Mm. of training with them. And the high priest. And where was that? That was that. Was that still in New York, or did you go somewhere? Yeah, it was in New York. Yeah, yeah. Proteus is based in New York by Judy Harrow, who's no longer with us. It was. This, I wanted the serious tradition. I wanted the like heaps that were serious, that were like, yeah, you know, had gravitas and were doing the real deal. And they were. So I practiced with them for eight years. Right, covens have a life cycle, and they kind of like, you know, come and go. Um, but the group that I practiced with, we were with, we were together for eight years, and. Yeah. And it just had such a huge, you know, effect on me because I started learning all the other magical traditions and I was, or, you know, studying, but not, you know, practicing. So I want to ask you, because this really is a foundation. I mean, I know you and I know what you teach. So I would, I'm curious to know how you went from, I mean, you even got a BA in political science, a master's in computer science from NYU. I mean, like, let's be honest, like, this is not stuff that, I mean, I went to law school too. That didn't make any sense either. So it's like, made no sense whatsoever. Like, oh, how did that happen? Whoa, she's definitely not a lawyer. Um, But, you know, it's like you went there and then worked in that field, like worked in computer science for a while. But then how did you segue right. from all of the esoteric study that you did and and uh, yeah. that, again, like you said, that had gravitas? And I also know the quality of your work is this. It, I mean, we can laugh and say we're woo, but this is deep psychological phenomenon that you are able to really help people with Thank as you. they connect to the land, to spirit, and to their destiny. I mean, that's what you do, and you do it extraordinarily well. So how did you put all the puzzle together? Because I believe, I think your first brand you created was Feminine Magic, right? And then you started with, yeah. Yeah, well, Feminine Magic became the brand name for the metaphysical teachings, but my first brand name was actually Marketing Goddess. Oh, I didn't know that. Marketing Goddess. Let's go there first. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit. All right. When I hit 29, which is our Saturn return, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's astrologer in our group and she was like, dude, you gotta like, you gotta pull some levers here now so you can set up the next 60 years of your, or next 30 years of your life, basically. Right. And I, I really took that seriously. And again, I was like, okay, I've been dancing around this. What is it? And, um, <laughs> cause I was in the comics field too. I thought I was going to be a fiction writer. I thought that my expression, cause I, I ended up quitting my job to, um, live a creative life. And I thought right. like, I'm going to be this comics writer and I'm going to be a fiction writer. And I knew at that, by that point, in addition to the magic-y stuff, I was hanging out in the New York's comics community and I was hanging out with the sci-fi fantasy. It's piece. how you met your man. Yeah. It's how I met my man. My man is a comics artist <laughs> and, you know. Amazing one yeah, too. And I, yeah, it was, that's a whole other like radical story in itself, a wild story. <laughs> Um, but I was like, I've got to, I've got to live basically at my Saturn return, 
it was very clear, like, you need to live a creative life. And so I thought what it was going to be it was writing and stories and all of that stuff. And I quit my job kind of cold turkey to be a writer, not exactly knowing what that was. Right. <laughs> and this was in 2007. So again, not the same level of resources that we have now mm-hmm. um, out in the online space. And a couple things happened at that time. Number one, The Secret came out, was out the year before. Right. And I remember watching that for the first time and going, oh my God, this is what I have been doing behind the scenes for- Right, my whole life. Well, years now. Now it has a name. And now it has a name. And I've always been passionate about metaphysical work getting it to do. I have always been passionate about, and that's really why I do what I do on the, on the marketing side. It's like, you know, the, the tools of magic, and now we call them, that's my language, but the tools of transformation mm-hmm. that are right. available now to me are, they need to be in the public consciousness. People need to be using them. That I've always been passionate about that. So when The Secret came out, I was like, holy bananas. And I saw the opening. I saw the like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this is, a, this is a real thing. And like, so all this stuff about The Secret aside, I don't care. Like I was like, more people than me are interested in metaphysics becoming, <laughs> like taking their place. Uh-huh. And I was like, holy smokes. And so at the same time, a wild thing was happening. You know, I, I quit my job to become a writer. And someone was like, you know, if you write sales letters, you can get paid $1,000 a sales letter. I'm like, okay, I'll write sales letters. And that was my entryway into copy and messaging and offers. And imagine my surprise. So I'm here I am. I'm writing sales letters for Crystal Merkabas in the mail and astrology <laughs> But I loved That's it. That's great. And I'm like, right. oh my goodness, like all these different pieces were coming together. I knew that, you know, the engineering was the background that I had done and was important, but like, oh my gosh, there's this gateway to this next thing. And don't you think, don't you think too, engineering period is like alchemy? 100%. So you can apply, my dad was an engineer, yeah. you could apply the, the concepts of engineering to how we work with energy. 100%. Right? I mean, that, right? You can, like, it makes total sense. I, I made a joke at the beginning, like, oh, yeah, computer scientist, ha ha. But right. truthfully, it really, it, it applies. It does. Because when I got to the, like, it, you asked, like, how did I kind of put the work together? When I got to that, which was still several years away, I applied my engineering mind to it and my due diligence. Yeah. And I'm like, this, everything I say needs to fit together. And I can't yeah. just be pulling stuff out of my bun buns. Like everything. <laughs> and so I studied uh, the new thought guys. I went back to Wicca and Western esotericism. And I'm like, and you know, and then of course the modern teachers in the coaching field. And I'm like, all of, I need to find um, how this actually works. And I really spent a lot of time breaking it down. So my engineering background came in really handy. Um, <laughs> you know, what's really interesting too? This is how I approach making oracles because it has, they all have to work together. They all have to work I create together. a lexicon. I do a whole, for, like basically forensics yeah. on, you know, does this go with that? Does this go with, does this speak to that? Does this speak before it ever gets published? It's yeah. like, does this, do they talk together? Do they work? Is this a structure? Like it is, it, it has integrity, right? Then that's It's got to have do. integrity yeah. and it has to make sense and we can't be making yeah. stuff up. Correct. So that's right. You know, that was a few years down the road, but in 2007, I had two things were going on. I was having this like holy bananas moment. And I was also having this, oh my gosh, this marketing thing is really cool. And I'm drawn to it. 
so much so yeah. that I don't want to do writing anymore, which was a total, it totally messed with my identity. Because by that time, <laughs> I had all of these famous friends. I was mm-hmm. working with people who were on my bookshelf as a teenager who I loved. And I was petrified. Oh my gosh, they're going to find out I'm writing direct response sales letters and they're going to think I'm a nut job. <laughs> all this is going on. And the whole time I'm like, goddess, why? Like, why are you sending me in this direction? Right. Why? And I didn't get it because I'm just like, what do I even do with all this? And of course, at that time, I wasn't making any money. I was, my savings was draining. I didn't know how to make any sales. I didn't know anything, but I just kept following the threads and they all started Mm -hmm. together. And there came a moment, I talk about it in the book and it was, gosh, late 2008, 2009. And I was just really like, help, you know? And I was walking Mm -hmm. around Prospect Park and there, in my tradition in Proteus and I, Wiccan traditions, like there's this contract, this sort of contract that if you receive the teachings, you're going to pass them on. And I knew I wasn't going to be a coven leader. I just knew that wasn't my, wasn't going to be my jam. And and she stopped me in the middle of the park and she was like, "You're going to write books and you're going to put magic in the books, and you're going to help be a part of the movement." bring magic to the mainstream. And so of course I'm bawling and I'm like, dude, I can't manifest my way out of a paper bag right now. (laughs) Help me out. Right. But that's when all the threads started to come together and I didn't see them right off the bat. Right. I just had to keep following the, following the signs and following the invitations and working with all my stuff at the same time. But now what I know, because now what I know Right. I thought when she was like, be a part of the magic of the mainstream, put magic in the books. I thought I was going to be Gabby Bernstein. I thought I was going to be Colette Baron Reed. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was like, well, I got to, I'm, I'm the magician who's going to bring magic to the masses. That's my role. Right. But first, at that time, I'm like, well, first, I've got to like actually find a thing to apply this to. And that's where I realized that's where marketing came in. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. Because I've never, I personally, and this is my own personal thing, right? Magic is a, is a tool to create your reality. It's a tool to create mm-hmm. life. I've never been a magician who's just kind of in it for the rituals and just kind of doing rituals. Right. And, it's to make something happen. Right. And even when I was 23 and 24 and running around New York for the first time, I was like, why aren't these folks, and this is not a nice thought, but it's an honest one for a 23-year-old. I was like, why aren't these folks using this to make their lives better? That's a problem. <laughs> That's a, yeah. You know? So I, when, I, when I finally had all this kind of drop, I'm like, oh, I get it. Entrepreneurship is a magical tool. All my magician, my astrologers, because at that time I was working with tarot readers, helping them go from $1,000 a month to $4,000 a month. And I'm like, yeah. I got to figure out, this is a tool, this is a, or this is a, a, a playground to apply the magic principles in. And then I'm going to take those teachings and kind of get them out there. And that's what I thought was going to happen. And I said, eventually, I thought, okay, there's going to be two sides of the business. There's the business side and the magic side. And the business side is out first. And I built, you know, my first programs and I, I built a training on how to offer high-end programs back before it was everywhere. And then I thought, well, at a certain point, I'll flip. And I'll be with the metaphysics out in front. Right. And the hilarious thing is when that flip was made in 2017, I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) If I have to just talk about manifesting for the next 20 years, I will poke my eyeballs out. 
poke your eyeballs out. That's right. That's right. I get it. And so I'm like, wait a minute. Now I see how this comes together. I was trained to be the one that helps amplify magicians and get their message out. And I've always known like, you know, in the book is sort of the first, you know, or the next, I guess, piece. I I will have my books and I will have my being out there as the mainstream magician. There's no doubt in my mind, right? My job right now is to help the magicians make a lot of money. Let me, and I want to uh, speak to that for a second. So when we look at magic, for people who don't know what you mean by magic. Yeah, thank you. And you tell me what, if you think this is correct, because the way I look at it is that it is about being in alignment with natural forces that are invisible to us that help us in reality creation. A thousand percent. So it's not that you're casting spells in the the way that people see them in the movies. No, never. At all. Oh my gosh, never. No. No, I know, but right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. But if they saw the craft, they wouldn't know what we were talking yeah. about. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and that's one of the reasons why I've always been fascinated by what you do, because you have taken a very practical, very mainstream approach to an esoteric science yeah. or spiritual path, if you will, too, because it really is a path yeah. as well. Um, and, and when you say to help magicians, I think when I hear that, I go, yeah, anybody that is involved in personal transformation, like what, this is why I do what I do. It's all about personal transformation. It's all about personal. You know, it's all about helping people discover their own alchemy and, and, and helping, you know, being the midwife for them. Yeah. Those are the people. So those are what you mean by magicians. Yes. It's my term. Because it's your amp, right? That's your term. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. for the coaches, the healers, the practitioners, the ones, and the ones that we work with in seven figure primarily, although everyone is welcome to come into our world and receive, you know, the, the wisdom teachings as we dish them out. Right. As far yeah. as growing businesses, the ones that we really love to support are the ones that are actually in there doing the NLP, doing the re-imprinting sessions, doing the hypnosis, doing the, doing the stuff. <laughs> doing the transformative doing stuff. Doing the transformative stuff. Yeah. Of course, that looks different for everybody and people put on programs mm-hmm. and everything. But really, there's all kinds of different definitions of magic. An old school one that I you know, still use is change in accordance with will or change in consciousness in alignment with will. And it's, it's basically about, to me, it's about activating your creative power. It's all about like, mm-hmm. this is my reality and I'm choosing to create it. I'm taking the power back, <laughs> right? In alignment right. with, in co-creation with every other powerful yeah. being on the planet, which is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Oh my gosh. I love how you explain that. Okay. We're going to take a little pause more with Elizabeth when we come back. Don't go anywhere. And we're back with Elizabeth Purvis. Okay, Elizabeth, my next question is, tell me about, because I, I believe all manifestation is co-creation. It's all a partnership. 100%. Don't even go there. Yeah. It's actualization and partnership. Yes. That's how I see it. And it is about, you know, you do this the same way. So tell us about the difference between the human will and divine will and how that interfaces in the work that you do. Yeah, I'll give it to you as kind of from my lensing. Yeah, perfect. So the first law of life, which is the first law of source, consciousness, substance, God, goddess, is more life, right? right. Expansion. Expansion. Yeah. Um, that's, that's basically the bottom line. We're all expanding and we're all programmed to expand. So creative substance, as I call it, and sometimes we have a lensing for that, God, goddess, 
Sometimes we don't, depending on kind of where we're at. But its desires form our life. <laughs> its desire is to grow and to expand. That's its purpose. That's its nature. And create, you know, we we have that desire to grow and expand as well. So we have this desire to grow and expand, which, you know, activates all kinds of things within us. We also, as, you know, human beings, we have tools of co-creation that other beings don't have. Right. The way I look at them are perception, energy, faith, and choice, right? So we have the power of choice. Right. Right. And to me, our our will is very much kind of like a melding of what's the spark of desire that I have inside? What is the desire with a capital D? That is an instinct that comes from the divine, comes from creative substance. Which is inspiration in, in many respects. Yeah, it's the spark. It's the spark, right? We all have that spark. And that's one of the things, in my view, that lets you know that you're partnering with source. Uh-huh. Right. So let me ask you, let me ask you at that moment, because yeah. uh, when desire can become destructive, when you have to surrender the desire and then take the action, do you, you talk about that? Because the, the big D desire is not the same thing as wanting coming from lack. That's right. Right. Exactly. So let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the big D desire is, as I think of it as the desire of your heart. You could think of it as a soul level desire. It's the desire that's put in you or mm-hmm. comes from the greater field that we're all swimming in, which you are right. of and from. Yes. Right? So, and that's what, how the, the laws operate is on capital D desire, not little d desire. Right. right. Big difference. Huge difference. Big difference. Huge difference. Yes. It's what everybody struggles Everyone with. Everyone struggles I, with. Like, Part let, of the game is- I'm not letting go. Right. <laughs> Part of the game is to figure out what capital D desire is and what little d desire is. And that's mm-hmm. part of what I had to deal with when I was like, I want to be Colette Van Reed back in 2016. I thought that's what it was or 2015. I'm like, in a million years, I would never have known you would say this. I know. <laughs> but I, I thought I was going to be making the decks and doing and like putting out all the uh, magic teachings and everything, which again, I know is part of my path, but it's like. But you are. I, I mean, am. you're not doing decks yet, but you're you're doing what you're doing. No, but it wasn't the way I thought it was. I get it. It never is. I had this whole other divine assignment that was part of Capital D Desire, and that does that divine assignment is build a coaching company to empower magicians, yep. the transformational leaders, the consciousness shifters, the co-creators who are here to teach everybody else how to get their stuff out so the consciousness of the planet raises. Right. Yeah. That's like, like my big D desire is magic to the mainstream. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And it can look so many different ways, Mm -hmm. but you know, the goddess didn't put me on the, she didn't send me off to learn with Dan Kennedy for no reason. In 2007, when I'm sitting there in calls with like these hardcore direct response marketers and I'm going, I kind of love them (laughs) and I love this. What is it about? My conscious mind, my ego mind would have would have been like, no, you're supposed to write th- the stories about magic and you're supposed to write comics that have magic in them. And isn't it wild, though, when you think about it, how <laughs> the big D decides also. The big D has the big decision, not you. It really I mean, does. We, it, it pushes our choices. Like we, because we, we recognize how it's not where we think it is because we keep trying to go there and that's not where it is. I mean, I never expected to be doing this. I kind of get a kick out of it when you're saying, I thought I was going to be you. And I'm like, I thought I was going to be a singer. (laughs) I thought the recording artist thing was the only thing I was going to do. Like, so there you go. What is it? There you go. But you follow it. Follow that, 
the crumbs that come because those are the choices. Right. And you have to surrender to the crumbs because yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. And you, you know this and you teach this all day. When you f- surrender to the crumbs and you follow the crumbs, guess what? Magic happens. Magic happens and it's easy. When you don't, mm. struggle bus. Mm-hmm. And I'm being really um, fierce in my language to, to right. hope whoever reads needs to hear this, get the pattern interrupt. So one of my tools is the Akashic Records. I love the records. Uh, after learning Tarot and learning the language of Tarot and working with like your decks exclusively for like five years or something, I put Tarot down for a while. I'm like, you know what? This Colette Baron Reed woman has it going on. And I read with your with your decks for a long time. And then the Akashic Records came in my mm. field and just like Oracle decks, like, you know, there's the homecoming moment. Yep. And I very quickly saw that when I... It was it was the exact same thing with the oracle decks and with the tarot. When I follow the guidance, things are easy. Mm-hmm. Or then when I don't, then I struggle. And I had at a certain point when I was at that crossroads, I had I had shut my first iteration of my business down. I had shut down Goddess Business School. I shut down the Platinum Program programs I was doing. And I'm like, I'm going to teach magic. Here I go. Time <laughs> to teach magic. Here it is. We're going. And I went. And I went. I talked to. You know, I I had this reader and that reader, because I do love to get, I love to connect with other readers who can see things sure. when I'm too far in it, right? And they all said the same thing. They're like, we actually don't, we don't see you doing that. We see you leading the leaders. But, uh, like, but, no. but you're a teach, but you were in a way that just wasn't the iteration that you saw the form because you are actually doing right. that very thing, but you're doing it in a different form. I totally, but I was just like, la, 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 I get la. it. You know, and I was trying. I was like, I'm going to have the biggest manifesting course on the planet. Like that was my aspiration because I'm here to bring magic to the mainstream. So because you're right, I absolutely was. But they were like, actually, you've been doing this marketing thing for a while. And there's a reason why. And maybe you ought to just take a peep at that again. (laughs) Right. And add the magic there. Right. And that to me was the real distinction between like, okay, put put down what you think it's going to look like. Put down what you think it's going to look like, you know? And it's the thing, the thing about it is like everything we choose, everything we desire, capital desire is already here. And I was like, you know, if you're going to write books and you're going to write books, you don't have to hold on so hard to forcing the path. (laughs) You can let it unfold and you can follow the next best step. But don't you think that you had to learn that so you could tell other people? Because you're working with pretty ambitious people and and tenacious yeah, people. Yeah, have very clear right? And tenacious people. So, <laughs> you know, when you work with leaders, yeah. you're not dealing with people who are shrinking violets. You're dealing with people with opinions who have an idea of where they're going to go. And I think you have a pretty strong personality too. And I think like myself, I had to go through the same identical thing, FYI. So in consistently like, oh, until yeah. I let go, nothing happened. You know, and and because we all think we know, we know we're coming to you because you're going to help us get bigger. We know, we know exactly what we're doing. And you're like, ah, no, right? (laughs) No, you're going to let that go. And and you're going to work these principles. So let's actually talk about how you teach people, entrepreneurs, how to shift because that's, right? So that's a big premise of what you do. Um, You know, whether it's shifting a mindset or shifting energies from one form to another, it is a key concept in magic. So um, why do you feel it's so important and how do you teach others to do it, especially when you're dealing with people who may not want to shift? They just want you to tell them how to get more. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
Yeah. So I'm going to actually come at this from the biz side because a lot of it's great. Let's do both. Comes at, yeah. Because it's, it's the same thing on both sides. By Love the way. It. It's the same damn thing. Like, let's just be clear. Love it. <laughs> right. So in the business side of things, we help coaches, healers, practitioners optimize their offer and their messaging so that they can grow with a lot less inputs. Now there's always inputs. There's always marketing. There's always sales. Nobody getting out of that. Right. But if we don't have the offer and the messaging optimized and spot on, you're going to be working a lot harder. Now that's a whole other conversation. I could just. No, but it's great. I think it's very clear. I think it's very clear what you said. Yeah. Because every, most of what you're learning out there in the, in the online are tactics. In the online, that's right. Right. <laughs> you know, in the online world are tactics. That's right. And what are the tactics built on? They're built on your core deliverable, your offer, your messaging. So oftentimes when leaders find us, because stepping into your, your magic and getting your magic in the world, it's an iterative process. When you first get out there, you got to figure out what you're teaching. Oftentimes people are coming from certifications and they're teaching what they're teachers are teaching and you have to go to marketer school and you got to like figure out the basics. And then what happens around the six figure mark is people go, now I know what the real thing is. Now I know what I want to bring to the world. Right. And they have to kind of reinvent themselves Mm -hmm. or they're like, or, and that will happen at any stage. Like we have people who are at the 500 K ceiling who are like, I need to bring forward this body of work. Right. Oh, it changes everything. I mean, every time you hit that level, you have to rethink your business. You have to, you might even have to tear it down and rebuild it sometimes. Right. It changes everything. But Mm -hmm. oftentimes, see, at that time, you've already got preconceived ideas of what you think it is. You got preconceived ideas of marketing. You got preconceived ideas of how it's going to look. And a lot of what we do in our program is help leaders get back to the truth with a capital T. I didn't make up 10,000 years of psychology that go into (laughs) offers and messaging strategies. I'm not the mean mentor telling you what to do. I swear to goodness and gracious, all I care about is you getting what you want to do out. But I'm here to tell you that 10,000 years of human psychology says certain things have to actually be the case or you're going to get nowhere. (laughs) Right, exactly. Right? So we have to, we have to reflect back. Like, so when you're, you're asking me, like, how do I help people shift? My favorite way and really what the standards in the book is all about is to align with capital T truth. Right. When we align with spiritual truth, which is often backed up more every day with actual natural physical plane truth, when we surrender to that and really like release and lean into that, then we can make shifts very, very quickly. And so part of my job is to reflect back to peeps. And honestly, I sometimes joke that like my number one kind of power move in coaching is you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can do it. Mm-hmm. You can have ex- you can have it the way you want it. You can have it the way you want it because people hold on. They hold on to their um, ideas of what it has to look like because they believe that they can't. They won't get the thing if it doesn't. If it look doesn't that look way. like that. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly reflecting back. Like, but we got We got to operate within the scope of 
the laws of physics and the laws of metaphysics. That's exactly what I want to talk about. So now you go the laws of physics. I mean, certain criteria need to be met. Like, i.e., you can't be an armchair astronaut. Right. Right. You can't sit there waiting for somebody to knock on your door. You actually have to take some action. You actually do need to be an expert if you call yourself one. That's right. (laughs) And you need to come from the mindset of your client, which is the number one hardest thing for leaders to do. Yeah, because you don't want to say, this is what I want to tell you. You have to find this is what they need for me. It's a very different kind of a dynamic. It's a very different thing. And so people are like, but there's always a way to map the two. So if we go from the physics to the metaphysics, right? So we're going to build that bridge. So we know what the physics are. There are certain criteria. So let's bring in the goddess, right? So let's end the standards. That's what you call them, right? In your book. So we go that now into these laws. So how do they apply? What do, how do you teach people how to get to that next level, applying now the metaphysical uh, techniques? Yeah. So the standards, which is in the book, it's 10, I call them energies. You can think of them as keys or principles, right. <laughs> but I call them energies because to me, that's what they are, right? Are there ways of 10 ways of being that when you fully turn them on, you're basically in alignment with the version of you that's going to create the seven figure business, right. right? When you show up aligned with these principles, you will naturally start to attract the clients, the opportunities. And it sounds like magic, but it isn't. It's very practical. There's like, when I say show up as, I mean like, you know, plug your money leaks and do like work on your stuff and all of this. But there's also, it's also coming from this place of, so the whole idea of a standard is is the energetic move of, well, this just is how it is. So when I hold a standard, one of my favorites is the confidence standard. Well, confidence just is. My awesomeness just is. I don't need to be pushing, pulling, wondering, questioning, in, out, whatever. Can I get them the result? Can I not get them the result? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Whatever, all that. If we shift into it just is, right, then we can let all of that go very quickly. Mm -hmm. Abundance standard. Abundance just is. And that's, you know, metaphysical principle of clarity, which is my favorite. Got a a soul level desire? You got a desire to build this business? Guess what? Business already exists. Abundance exists. Your clients exist. It's all here now. Just is. Yeah. So you can get out of the machinations of what do I do? What do I do? How do I force it? How do I go? Oh, I'm wanting. Where's my money? And And the small D, the wanting, which is always about lack. The small D, which is always about yeah. lack always about lack, (laughs) right? So that it's um, the standards and this power move of it just is are how I am able to help people really in the moment, right? And the standards, this particular body of work was born because I was teaching people how to create 50K offers, 50K Mm -hmm. programs, 50 to package and price their transformational services for $50,000 to $100,000. Now, I don't know if you've ever taught anyone how to do that, but what happens is they freak out. (laughs) they freak out and they go into the questioning. Oh my gosh, will anyone pay that much? Oh my gosh, am I worth that much? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, where are the, I'm going to like, I'm going to like get rid of the rest of my clients. What's my down sell? And I remember sitting there at the kitchen table going, because I've been teaching, you know, I've been teaching it for years, but I wanted to put it in in a program and teach it to a lot more people. And I was like, how can I help them just in the moment shift out of that whole conversation? Mm Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? It just is. It just is, right? <laughs> it just if you is. you offer a 50K program, if that's true desire of your heart, capital D, you can do that. If you want to do it, a client is already there waiting for you. 
If you want to make a certain amount of money, guess what? It's already there. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It doesn't mean that you're off the hook of of like actually taking line action. But if you're over here spinning in like questioning and then you're not in the energy space. You're not vibrating in the, in the energetic frequency. You're not being the version of you that already exists that has done that. I love that you said that it's the person already exists because then there is no need for that wanting small d. If you're having it and it exists already, there is no need for wanting it. Now, it's just really how do I discover it and how do I, it's like becoming the person that has this life because that is our work that has to happen next. That And that is the Mm -hmm. work. That is, that's totally the work. And that's that's the crux right Mm -hmm. there of it, right? We actually... It, like if you have that capital D desire, it already exists. It's always easier to manifest from a place of having than not having, because the lack is what puts your brain in the like, you know. <laughs> but if you already have and you really choose to be in this place of it's here, and I know that it's here, and I know it exists, you know what? And you're absolutely yes, you need to be an expert in all of that. Like yes, that's true. And what I found though is we know, like deep down, we know. Yes, we just know, 100%. We know, we don't need to be, and most of the women that I'm working with, and I know many, many of the people that you work with, it's like, look, you're already awesome. Will you stop it with the questioning? You've got 17 certifications, you've got two PhDs, and you're here to Right, and then it's like, now you're still questioning yourself. I get it. It, But do you also think, I'm curious, because I've heard so many incredible stories from the people you worked with. They swear by you that you have changed their lives. And I've read your book. It's phenomenal. Seven Figure Goddess. We'll be putting a link in at the, you know, for everybody to see it. But do you think that there now, that the need for this now is because we've become so um, seduced by another way. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like the the old way of uh, like even with the self help movement of always looking for the cracks or you need to work on yourself or yes. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's gone too far. I do too. I, I feel that way. Like, no, hundred percent. So- and like, let's stop making ourselves a project. And this is another thing that this was designed to do. Because mm-hmm. I want to, I want to share with everybody this sure. this energetic consciousness shift I'm talking about. Guess what happens on the level of conscious awareness? It's your neocortex. All right, you don't need to shift another seven zillion blocks. I'm not saying you don't need to shift blocks. No, I get it. I, I agree with you. Right, but a lot of us who there are a lot of beautiful humans out there who have done the work, and now yeah. it's like that inertia between doing the stuff and actually going out and do the thing. This is the standards are a tool for like, are you ready to go do the thing? When you're sitting there Mm -hmm. writing your email and you've got all the stuff coming up, right? But you need to get the email out because you need to get the email out, you know? Mm -hmm. You can shift into this place of, well, it just is. Well, the people are already here. It doesn't matter if this email succeeds or not because people are already here. It happens on that level of, okay, it's time to actually hit the runway and not spend the next 50 years continuing to like do whatever we're doing. <laughs> and that is a met, yeah. And that is a metaphysical application, you know, just by setting your attention on just is. Right. It shifts energy. It completely shifts the energy of your body. It shifts, it shifts it all. Like you move out of that stress response into a more expanded potentiality, I think, which That's is exactly which yeah. is the point of magic. So right. so you are, 
you know, and you are all these people that you end up working with and have worked with impact so many thousands of other people. So I know it's like, it wasn't the form, you know, where you were going to write the books and to, uh, to those people, you're, you actually are reaching the same people that yeah. you wanted to only just in a different way that you are the one that is showing people really practical ways of how to get to a place of radical abundance, which I think is really, I just said that off the top of my head right now, but it is, it's the root of abundance is it just is. It just is, yeah. Everywhere, and it just is. It's just like, I'll take some of that. So why do you think right now all this, these magical techniques and someone like yourself who's now becoming wildly successful and you always were, but now you're even more so, um, why now? I really, oh my goodness. So, okay, I'll go back a little bit. When I, when I, so when I first got the call, the cosmic telephone, (laughs) right? And moving (laughs) out of my job and everything, which I, you know, I had to leave because it was killing me every day, even though the people were amazing. I always like to qualify that. I worked with amazing people in my last engineering job. It was for um, uh, social media sites for minorities, right? But it wasn't what I, a community connect, which does Black Planet, Mijente, and Asian Avenue. And I worked for them for seven years. And, uh, but it wasn't my path, right? I had that pain of like not being on the path. <laughs> and that's really, the, I know that pain very, very yeah, well. Yeah, I get it. Um, and, uh, and when I when I left, it was a year before the economy crashed. Mm-hmm. And my very first launch, <laughs> using Jeff Walker's product launch formula, I opened the cart the day that the economy tanked, and it was news. Yep. I still made a five thousand dollars. Two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. I still made five thousand yeah. dollars. Like a, like holy crap, right? But um, at that time, the conversation in the space, in the transformational leader space, what it was that time was consciousness is changing. Oh my goodness. The old structures are crumbling. And there was all of this conversation. If you go, if you were to rewind the clock Mm, and look at- Still talking about the same thing. Right. Well, I remember thinking to myself, it is. And I was very much on that. I was on the train, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the most positive of ways. Yeah, me too. Me too. We are here to shift consciousness. Consciousness is changing. The structures are crumbling. This whole narrative is actually accurate and we're seeing it. And I was like, okay, this is why the consciousness shifters, who I call magicians, they might call themselves something else, right? I like that you call them magicians. I'm going to be a magician now. You're a magician (laughs) now, right? For those of us who are bringing the, the tools of transformation and all the different ways they look to the rest of the world, like it's here. And back in 2008, 29, 2010, it was just starting. And it was really fascinating to be around at that time. And you were around that time, I remember. Yeah. Watching us all kind of like blunder around and find our way. This was the canary in the coal mine. It was. But here we are, like, guess what? Now we're at a different place in that journey. Yes. And now, you know, and I think COVID demonstrated this, (laughs) like, totally. Like, we're like, no, for reals, for reals. It's really happening now. It's really happening. I know. I think this was, we were getting ready. And they always say too, that even in astrology, that these things take a number of years. They, do. they don't happen overnight. You know, but we think they're supposed to like 2012 was supposed to be the big thing. <laughs> remember, yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah, remember Y2K was supposed to be a big thing. It was. And, but now there's a big thing going on. There's a big thing. And like now mm-hmm. this is why I put some of the stuff in the book that I, that I did. Like one of the first standard is the divine standard. Yeah. And the divine standard is the understanding and awareness that thou art goddess, thou is a divine being. That used to be back in the day, the metaphysical secret that you would be. Yeah. 
hanging out in the temple for for five years before they even kind of breathed it in your direction. Yeah. Hey, guess what? God is in you. God is in you. Or goddess is in you. You are, yeah, you are, I am that I am. Mm -hmm. I am that I am. And it's out there in the world. Like, I'm not the first person to bring that to light, right? But it's such a huge part of my teaching because I'm sorry, we don't have that kind of time anymore. Like, you need to have that awareness. I'm ho, (laughs) in my humble opinion. If we're here, if we're going to like meet the demand of what's being asked of us by, you know, God got a spirit creative substance whose purpose is to expand and move humanity forward, right? Move us forward, move everything forward, then we need to get on we need we need to get on it, you know? And don't you think that energy well, I believe that energy needs us to express itself in this world because it doesn't have form. It it picked doesn't us, have doesn't form. have form. It needs form to create more form. And we are that. Exactly. So that it is, and we, are, we that. are that. And so it is really about, are we going to be awake or are we going to fall asleep? Because I do think that that's a lot of what's going on right now is I think a lot of people falling asleep at the wheel because it's too much for them. You know what I mean? And it's then, too much. Yeah. But for now. Yeah. You and I can have yeah, a whole we're not other gonna, conversation. We're not gonna hold, yes, we could. Ne- another it's time. Totally, it, I, that's totally been my experience too. And, and you know, some people, and people are all on their journey. People are, all, everyone's on a different path. Everyone has different invitations made. They can either accept the invitation or not. Yeah. The timelines change as different things come forward. There's always more than one way. Mm, I agree. But there's, there are definitely a contingent who are like, all right, this is too much, right? Yeah. And don't you think- Totally understandable. And don't you think too that, I, I mean, I have a lot more compassion now, you know, even when I look at a lot of the division, um, I go back to Catherine Ponder's body of work where she talks about chemicalization, where it's like, just when you are thinking that you're going in one direction, it looks like everything that you're working towards wor- looks worse than ever. The exact opposite happens just before. And I'm kind of looking at everybody going, well, we're in one giant soup of chemicalization and this is where we're not we sure supposed are. to sabotage it. It's just really painful to see. So when you're teaching people how to have, and and because you're working with change makers, you know, you're really getting them. And, and I know that, you know, we talk about seven figures but that's really about when you're there, you impact more people. You know, you're, yes. that's, that's really, I understand that is what you're looking at. It's not just about the money. It's, it's really about the expansion yeah. of impact also. Yeah. All my, I am so about the impact and that's all of my people about the impact and seven, and, it, and it's edgy. It's kind of edgy to call your company seven figure goddess. I definitely, I love it. I did that back in 2010 and I definitely got some, I got some blowback for it from smellers. Oh my God. Who doesn't get blowback anymore? Let's pull a card. Let's actually pull a card together and see if the universe has anything else it wants us to talk about. <laughs> oh my God. It's talking about breathe. So let's talk about the breath and let's talk about meditation on you, with you and how you work with it. Oh my goodness. Well, I've worked with meditation for many, many years and I, so we're going to, we're going to conflate some terms a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> for, um, and I want to make sure I'm super, um, you know, specific. So there's a whole bunch of different forms of meditation you can practice, right? For many years, I was, my primary meditative practice consisted of, and it still consists of creative visualization from a very, very relaxed state. Mm-hmm 
One of the things we do in Feminine Magic is we have a whole bunch of practices to go out in various parts of places, spaces, dimensions, times, and create things, receive things, receive the transmissions, align with versions of you, all of that. That's a huge part of our practice. And now these days, and that's, I mean, you're, here's the thing, and breath, right? Air, the element of air, which is aligned with perception, is like the animating force. It's like the first, the first like thing, yeah. <laughs> right? It's the first step off the path. I'm seeing the fool, right? The fool in Tarot. So there's a lot of creative power in that. And we are so powerful as creatives that with a single breath and a single thought, something gets created in the non-physical. Mm-hmm. And I really am going to invite everyone to, to feel, to, to lean into this. When you think a thought, when you create a mental picture, guess what? That exists. It's a thing. It's out there. And it starts with the breath to the mind to the different dimensions. And it's a creation all on its own. And that's one of the things that makes co-creation so simple and easy. Like you're already a masterful creator in that space, right? So that's one that's one aspect and that's huge. I mean, if you really think about the implications of that, like if you sit and you make a mental picture, especially from that place of deep relaxation that the magicians know are so powerful because our nervous system is one of the things that messes it up. Yeah, no, I <laughs> right? get it. Yeah, Right, if we're in a space of tension, our nervous system is kind of what allows or disallows our physical being, which is why in, in feminine magic, we, one of the reasons why we, I say we work with our human side and our divine side because our human body has to be on board. Yes. Um, but then there's also the deep relaxation aspect of meditation. And that's more what I am working with now, which is mantra meditation. Oh, I love that segue. And they work together so beautifully. So I do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. And this is like over the past, gosh, year, which is a new form of meditation for me. I never, I never... I never did that for years. It was all just like, you know, sit down, relax, go into a, you know, I have an NLP background. I have a bit of a big background in hypnosis, complete relaxation, start creating things. And now a big part of my practice is, again, that nervous system work to de-excite the nervous system so that you have access to more. So you can take that breath on the physical plane. That's beautiful. Love it. And I and I think a lot of listeners are going to take a lot of that because I the people who know me know I'm a big creative visualization person. So it's vision journeys oh, yeah. in all my work. It's that. Yes. And you're masterful at it. You are so stunning and masterful at yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, it works because it, it, it just works. It sure does. And I find it so helpful. So helpful. Yeah. So I helpful. won't skip it because I'm under a tremendous amount of stress on the day-to-day. We have a lot. Yeah, you got to do it. By nature of what I'm doing in life. And then I'm, you know, I'm of a certain age, which, so that gets kicked off even more. Um, <laughs> so it's been a whole new, and and working with the two together is extraordinary, mm-hmm. right? I because love it. if you spend that time really letting go and de-exciting the nervous system, and you take the time to do that, and then you do your creative visualization work. No, it's amazing. Yeah, and it's creation. Love it. We're going to take a little break now. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears and enter into another dimension of the Wooniverse, the Tea Time After Party. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Thank you for joining us today and welcome back. With us today is master business coach and the creator of Seven Figure Goddess, Elizabeth Purvis. But right now we're going to switch gears and travel into another dimension of the universe called the Tea Time After Party, a place where we just kick up the fun. Here comes Connie Delaney, our executive producer. Hi. We're now going to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) We were. Oh, you guys were having a lot of fun. It sounded amazing. Yes, it was a good conversation. I love it. Okay, I'm going to start. Elizabeth, if animals could talk, what type of animal would you like to have a conversation with? Tune into that. Oh, I'm going to say a dolphin. Dolphin was my first totem way back in the day, way, way back in the day. I I was always like, when I was, you know, when I was growing up, I just loved the ocean and I loved octopuses. Like, I now know that lots of folks like octopuses. Yeah. Did you see that movie? My octopus friend, or I think it was called. The I, snuggling. The oh, octopus oh. snuggling. I'm still not over it. I me too. And I used to I used to love grilled octopus. Now you cannot <laughs> even show it to me. Yeah. I want to cry. Like yeah. I can't I can't. I just can't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just oh, like, oh, so you do that. Octopus I mean octopus would be yeah. great to have a convo with too. But yeah. I there was a period of time where I was just so activated by dolphins and you know, to me they're you know, they're they're kind of on they're not on the same continuum biologically but like I get the whole it. world, they know so much, you know? Yeah, love it. Your turn, Connie. Okay. If you could magically be fluent in any language overnight, what language would you choose? And why? And why? And where would you go <laughs> to oh use it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this is one of those like, oh, this is coming from some other place. I'm going to say Sanskrit was the first thing that dropped oh. in. Because it's so freaking beautiful. And why would you do that? I know this is like a purely intuitive answer. So, so the answer from my non-rational, non-linear goddess talking brain says Sanskrit. Okay. My more rational mm-hmm. brain says Italian because Italian's also beautiful, and um, it's my heritage. See, see, right? I'm Italian, <laughs> so yes. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got the peoples there. Oh, that's great. Okay, cool. Okay, if you could be wildly successful in another profession, wildly successful, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, honestly, I think if I wasn't wildly successful doing what I was doing, I I would probably find something to sell, like a like you'd be like an e-commerce retailer. That's also I was gonna say like QVC. Yeah, that's also <laughs> like bringing magic to the mainstream through the, through its products. I know that's a bizarre answer. Interesting. Or a psychologist, like which is, you know, I mean, I I love. No. I didn't actually study psychology in school. You kind of are a psychologist. I, know. Even I would be you're a therapist. Not. I know there's a level of psychology when I I've listened to. I mean, yeah. I've read a lot of your work and I've I've heard you talk and I'm like, this is deep psychology. I thought you studied depth psychology oh, wow. actually because my background's young. Jungian psychology. Yeah. yeah, a lot of that is like, so much of that is just like all the metaphysical stuff I've studied over the years and, and the, the threads of psychology. But yeah, I would be making like some kind of like awesome magic widget cool. to bring magic gadgets. to the mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. A magical widget? I love a that. A magical <laughs> widget. I love it. So what is the most magical thing you've ever witnessed? Like supernatural, something that's like, Wow. Yeah, wow wow you, because it's so old hat to you. Even like a wild story from one of your clients that that maybe just had like a big windfall. You know, honestly, I don't know. It's hard because I've seen, I've seen a lot. I've seen some stuff in my day, right? But I'll tell you some of the things that were really, uh, there was a series of events that was really impactful for me. 
that just reminds me. And I'm con- I am reminded so, like, when we're we're in the weeds, and I get in the weeds as much as anybody, right? Like I'm in the training of the team and the downloading of the things to put in the courses and like all that. I'm in the weeds a lot. <laughs> but then I'll just remind myself. And years ago, um, there were a couple instances. There was one where, um, and again, I was in my early 20s, so my early witchlet days. And the I was witchlet. Right. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I was working in the the district attorney's office. And, uh, and I was dating, uh, you know, one of the attorneys in the appeals bureau and he lived on the Upper West Side and I lived in, or I lived in Brooklyn, right? So it was a, it was a bit of a haul to get up there. And, uh, and I, you know, lived in this cute little apartment that I was super blessed to have. And I had just gotten two black cats, you know, as you do. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> he, was, he was going out of town. And so this is like the most magical thing, but I remember this really had an effect on me. He was going out of town and I had planned, he had this, he had this blue couch that was like super comfy. It was denim and he had MTV and this was the nineties. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to go up. I'm going to, and I was talking to Arthur and Merlin in my house, the two black cats. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to put food down for you. And then I'm going to go head up to David's house and, uh, and hang on the blue couch. And right at that moment, voice in my head said, don't go, don't go real clear. The words don't, or the word and don't go. follow that <laughs> word, go. <laughs> And I remember staring at this animal, staring at Arthur, I think it was. And I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> right. And I was, <laughs> you know, I'm talking to my animals because I that's all I had at the time. And David was out of town. I was like, okay, I guess I'm staying here. I'm staying here. Cool. Whatever. And um, that night at one in the morning, I get a call. So cats and I are sleeping. <laughs> one in the morning, one of David's friends calls me and he was like, Elizabeth, have you been up to the house? Have you been up to David's apartment? And I'm like, no. He said, I just came back and the ceiling has caved in right over the blue couch. Oh my oh. gosh. Wow. Oh my God. You would have been killed. I, I would have been seriously, because it wasn't like a little chunk of ceiling. Because I had planned, I, the plan was to go up there and be on the couch on and to couch. fall asleep on the couch. You know, and who knows? I could have gone and gotten the hit up there or whatever, but it was just like, this is very, I'm like, you know what? She's, she's looking out for me. Love that. She's looking out for me and I'm looking out for me. And there's, there are things that I'm tapped into here in my, and by back then I had very little confidence and I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just getting kind of officially started on the path. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. When when she says go (laughs) or don't go, then you listen is the thing that came out of that. (laughs) That's incredible. Okay, last question. Um, What is something you can do better than anyone else you know that's weird? In other words, what kind of weird talent do you have that you could do better than anyone else? What's something I can do better than anyone else that's weird? I will say, though, that I I will just, I'll share the superpower that I have that doesn't kind of do what I do. Um, I am able to energetically associate into people's clients and immediately be able to channel their stuff well enough so that I can basically channel people's offers. Wow. And, you know, and I'm never attached to being right. That's the thing. When we're, when we're putting um, programs and offerings together, you, you don't be, you're not attached to being right. I don't care if I'm right, but I will, I will literally energetically step into that their person and just get all the information and the language and the the pictures, right? Like, because people are like, they want to be more of who they really are. Well, what does that really look like? 
and I can go and kind of tune into that person and step into them and the whole narrative will come out. I, the reason why I wanted to share that is like, I'll go to the mat for my talent with that. Like I'll go to like, no, no one does transformational offers better than I do. Better than you. And it's like, it's edgy to say that, but I want that skill of understanding another human Mm -hmm. to get on their map, to map your map. I want, I want all my people to have that skill. So I've spent a lot of time figuring out how do I do that? How do I do that? So I can help others do it and help our coaches. And guess what? You're going to be able to learn how to do that from Elizabeth if you look her up. So to learn more about Elizabeth, Feminine Magic, Seven Figure Goddess, and so much more, please visit her at femininemagic.com. And as always, for a summary, quotes, links, and a transcript of this conversation, visit us on our show notes page by clicking the link in this episode's description or by heading on over to itwpodcast.com. You totally rock, Elizabeth. I am so proud to know you. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation today. The book is fabulous, by the way. Seven Figure Goddess for anybody who's interested. Just buy it on Amazon. I bought a copy for myself and I ended up giving 10 copies away. Terrific, terrific book. So thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Bright blessings. Thank you. So what did we learn today? I got to tell you that conversation with Elizabeth was so meaningful, especially because, you know, I've never seen anybody articulate the relationship and the bridge between the metaphysical world and the business world as well as her. And I loved really hearing her story because I'm sure a lot of people would be identifying also, you know, who have one foot in the woo and one foot in the mainstream, you know, to be able to figure out how does that all go together? You know, and at the end of the day, consciousness is in everything. It's just languaging, right? Really, it was just language. I, I'm really excited about her book. I hope you guys, anybody here who is an entrepreneur, you really should read it, whether you are whatever gender, because I know she talks about feminine magic, but that's for everybody. And seven figure goddess, it doesn't matter. Like it's literally for anybody who is an entrepreneur who wants to take their business to the next level through a metaphysical approach. She's incredible. Anyway, until next time, thank you so much for listening. I'm Colette Baron reed Be well. Time to share the way we love. Become the ones we're dreaming of. Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuy, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.